So here at Fellowship of Faith, fundamentally what this is all about. So we just want you to know who God is. And we want you to know how you can go about having a connection or what's often called a relationship with him. And we want you to know what he's done for you. Some of the things you may realize and many which maybe you don't. And we want you to find out ways to go about developing that connection and relationship and seeking more of him in your life and more of your life in his. That, that is fundamentally what this and all of this that we do here is about. And within knowing God, there's this aspect of the nature of who God is that, that I've found is often very forgotten or minimized, um, certainly misunderstood. And it's someone that the Bible calls the Spirit, or maybe more fully, the Holy Spirit. And all this fall, we've been looking at different Bible passages and, and teachings and and. and the essence of who this spirit is because he is everywhere in the Bible from the second verse of Genesis to the fifth to the last verse of Revelation. So spanning the entire Bible, you have the spirit ever present, the spirit of God permeating the scene and yet often very behind the scenes, which makes him somewhat elusive, forgotten, and oftentimes misunderstood. But if we're to know God and have a connection with him and discover what he's doing in our lives and what he's done for us and, and how to go about seeking that deeper connection with him and his will, you can't you can't get around the spirit in that. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like ground zero central to what this is all about. And I want to share this passage with you this morning where in the New Testament, you'll find that it simply says, be filled with the spirit. Okay, manually. There we go. Be filled with the spirit. Now, go with me a little bit on this. What's very interesting to me about this is that Paul, who is the person who wrote this letter called Ephesians, that you'll find in the New Testament where you'll find this, this statement, Paul is writing this to Christians. Now, Paul somewhere else in the New Testament says this, that anyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, that that person will be saved. In other words, whoever recognizes Jesus for who he truly is and whoever gives their allegiance to Jesus and trusts that what Jesus says about him and the events that transpired around him are true. Anyone who finds their identity of life in him, connects with him, they, they, they start to know who God is. They start to 
take for themselves what God has done for them and all people in this world. Relationship with God develops. It begins. And the path to seeking God's will and God in your life and yours and his, it springboards from that. That's available to anyone, anyone. Anyone who is willing to say, no, Jesus, I, I, I see it. I, I, this is you. You've said who you are. I believe it. And I give my loyalty. I give my allegiance to you. Paul will say that person's saved. That person is brought into God's family, rescued, given eternal life, and so many other things that I can talk about here today. But go with me on this, because elsewhere, Paul will also say this, that nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That the only way someone can even come to that place is by the Spirit of God working on them and in them. So, if you are a Christian, if you call Jesus your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you are in fact saved, you have the Holy Spirit. And yet, Paul writes to these Christians who have the Holy Spirit be filled with the Spirit, which seems to imply that you can have more of him. Would you agree? God wants you to have more of his Spirit in your life. So many of us, I think, are dehydrated of Spirit. Yes, we have fluids in us. But we're operating at a certain dehydrated state where our energy level isn't quite there. Our focus isn't quite there. Our strength isn't quite there. And all the things that come from having too few of the fluids that we depend on in our body isn't quite there. And all of us at some point in our life has, have experienced that effect. How many of us, though, walk around spiritually dehydrated? Yes, we have the Spirit in our life. But God's saying, I want you to have more. I want to pour it upon you. I want it to start coming out your pores. I want you to be running to the Holy Spirit bathroom every 30 minutes. There's so much of it in your life coming in you and through you and out of you. I want you to look like one of those sweaty guys after the half, you know, the, the half marathon race, you, you, you know, just dripping from head to toe because he's just pouring out of you. I get the image of like those water parks, Right? Have you ever seen them where they have, like, you're walking along and there's a bullseye on the ground. And of course, you do what everyone does when you see a bullseye. You look at the bullseye and not what's aiming at it, right? Maybe you've seen these. And then you look above. And there's like a 1,400-gallon bucket <laughs> with a slow trickle of water coming in. And if you're a noob at this, you're looking going, oh, what's that thing? Right? I think all of us to some degree experience a certain trickle of the Holy Spirit in our life. But God has a 1,400 gallon bucket of the Spirit. He is yearning to pour out on you. I am talking deluge here. Be filled with 
the Spirit, he says. And I want to share with you this morning a passage about how we drink of that, how we experience that. It's a way I think that's also often misunderstood, forgotten, minimized, and confused. This is coming out of the book of Numbers. Man, don't read the first 10 chapters. Take me up on it if you want to find out why. But we're going to jump into chapter 11. It's this weird passage. It's kind of cool, though, of this time when Israel finds themselves in the wilderness between Egypt and the promised land, dependent on the Spirit of God day by day. Listen to this. You can follow along if you'd like. Or just let the words rush over you. This is Numbers chapter 11. I'm going to jump in at verse 16. Where it says that Yahweh said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting. Basically this tent, this it's called a tabernacle at times. It's basically this tent where God says, well, hey, man, you guys got tents. I want a tent too. So, so build me a tent so I can live in tent among you. This tent of meeting will gather these elders here, these 70 of them, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, Moses. And I will take of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. So Moses went out and told the people what Yahweh had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then Yahweh came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took of the spirit that was on Moses and put the spirit on the 70 elders that then came to rest on him. He took the spirit of God that was among Moses and took some of that and gave it to them. Do you wonder if Moses had a moment, get your own? <laughs> but that's not how it played out. Moses, you've experienced my spirit. You have been filled with my spirit. So much so that earlier in the story, it says that Moses' face literally radiated, and I'm not talking metaphorically here. It literally radiated light so bright that the dude had to wear a veil because people didn't have sunglasses in that era and they were getting blinded by the glory of God shining out Moses. Ain't that weird? Ain't that cool? Be filled with the Spirit. Moses, you're filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to take some of the Spirit that I've put on you and divvy it up, share it out to the rest of them. The Holy Spirit is shared. Do you think about it that way? 
The Holy Spirit is shared. God pours out his spirit, but the way that he often pours out his spirit is by taking it from one and sharing it to another. And I don't think that we think about God that way. Nor do I think that many of us think about the Holy Spirit that way. I think that we think about it in a one-to-one vertical kind of relationship. God gives his spirit individually to me. God gives his spirit individually to you. God gives his spirit individually to you. God working it all when and where he chooses. But there is an entire narrative that stretches through the Bible over and over again that you see that the way that God shares his spirit is not directly, so to speak, from him to me, but from him, from me, to you. That the way to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not done by that direct pipeline alone but oftentimes is witnessed, is coming through others. Let me give you a few. One of my favorite passages of John 20, I think of Jesus, who's gathered with his disciples. And don't play the Jesus card. I'm going, well, he's Jesus, so it's different. Well, maybe, but it's not as different as you think. Where Jesus gathers his 12 disciples, and it says he breathes on them, which sounds a little bit gross in a world before crest, but he breathes on them, breath, wind, spirit. We've talked about that commonality of language. He breathes on them and he says this, receive the Holy Spirit, that the spirit that is on Jesus, he shares to them. But maybe you can't get over the Jesus aspect of this. So let me share some others with you. I think of the prophet Elijah who is followed by the prophet Elisha. And Elisha continually going to Elijah saying, I want a double portion of the spirit that happens to be on you. And by the grace of God, do you know what? Elijah's spirit is shared. I think of Acts chapter two. It's that famous event prophesied by the Old Testament prophet Joel when God says, I will pour out my spirit in those days Your young men will prophesy. Your old men will will dream dreams, even on my servants, even on the servants, both men and women alike. I will pour out my spirit on those days and the days came in Acts chapter two. And it says they were all gathered together in one place. And among them, you see the spirit shared I think of Paul, the same guy who wrote this, who didn't always use, not that, yeah, (laughs) who didn't always used to be a Christian. In fact, he found his identity and prided himself on being an anti-Christian, saw it as a heresy, a sect, a dangerous movement that had to be stamped out, rooted out and went from town to town and city to city with writs and warrants in his hands to root Christians out of the synagogue. And on the way, he comes face to face with Jesus. And it floors him, it knocks him on his face. In fact, the light around him is so bright that it literally blinds 
him. And he's led by the hand to a city called Damascus where there's a Christian there, someone who has the spirit of God in his life, a man named Ananias, whom God gives a vision to go to this man named Saul at the time. And Ananias is like, have you heard about this guy? Are you kidding me? God says, yeah, now go. Ananias meets him. Ananias takes him into his home, shows him where he lives. He ministers to him. Sav on the eyes, feeds him, gives him water to drink, a place to rest. He prays for him. And he says this. Puts his hands on him. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought I should get that from God alone. Doesn't seem so. Ananias shared. Shared the spirit that was upon him. And it says immediately scales fell from Paul's eyes. He could see, but he could also see. And the man goes on to be filled from a shared, divvied out experience and writes half the New Testament. You'll find examples of this all over the place. You can find Moses to Joshua. You can find others as well. Just start looking at It'll pop up here and there. There is an aspect of the nature of God in your life that comes from it being shared. Now at this point, I want to talk to some of you who are listening with us today. We've been so blessed and so graced to have our small little church community here that meets at 6120 expand globally with so many of you who are listening here today. And what a blessing it's been to have you be a part of this community digitally and from afar. What a blessing it's been for those of you who have been wary to come back into public gatherings, who are facing health crises and risks. But I tell you, as much as you can tune in and hear a message and be inspired by the music and enjoy seeing the people, it's not enough. Because I'm not sure how well the Holy Spirit is shared digitally. You need to gather among other people whether large or small, who are experiencing and sharing the spirit of God in their life. Let me share some ways with all of you. This is what church is meant to be. And what's so infuriating when people think about church is simply a place to hear the music or learn a word or something like that. Yes, these are good things but it's about sharing the spirit with one another. It doesn't have to be just in large settings. It could take place in small settings as well. Groups and gatherings, wherever they might be in your home, in local establishments, doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be bigger than twos. 
and threes, but physically being together with people that have the spirit. It's about surrounding yourself with people who are filled with the spirit, where it's rubbed off, where, where, where it's shared. It's why the Bible is so big about something it calls incarnational ministry. Do you know what that means? It sounds Spanish, in, carne, in the meat. You're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. God's spirit works in the flesh. It works through the flesh. It works by gathering together. Do you want to be filled with the spirit? Are you neglecting that aspect of him in your life? And recent events with COVID and stuff like that is just the latest manifestation of ways that we have been trying to dodge and avoid the spirit for generations. Every few years we put it its own way. Well, I can worship God on the golf course. I can go and, and learn about God at the camper. Yeah, I hope you are. And I hope you do. But is the spirit being shared with you there? And are you sharing it with others too? You can seek the spirit of God day and night in your life, but neglect this aspect and you're putting a cap on what you will learn about God and what he is doing in your life. You need to immerse yourself and surround yourself with spirit-filled people where it can be shared with you. And I want to speak to those of you here today who are filled with it. Don't keep it to yourself. It's given to you, at least in part, to bless others with. You have a responsibility in this too. You know, earlier this fall, it was August. We were looking at what's somewhat of a famous passage of the Bible, one that is sometimes misunderstood as well, but its misunderstanding shouldn't stave us off of it. It's great and it's wonderful, and I think it speaks to the heart of who God is. You can find it in the prophet Jeremiah. It's chapter 29. Maybe you know it by heart. It says this, God speaking, I know the plans I have for you. Right? I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is God's desire. It's God's desire for each of you. But I love how the passage goes on from there. Let me read this to you where it says this. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. When you come to that realization, right? When you come to that realization, it seems to prompt something in the human soul. It seems to prompt something in the human soul where God is not my enemy. God is not someone that I have to dread. God is not someone that I have to avoid or keep at arm's length. No, when I see how he thinks of me, what he wants for me, the delight he has for me, the love he wants to shower upon me, it creates something where I want to seek him too. Then you will seek me. But then he adds this, and let me read this final passage to you. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. With all your heart. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The joy of God is that he comes to us wherever we're at and he comes and brings us salvation and rescue and spirit in that place. But Paul says more. There's more to a relationship with God than that. Be filled with the spirit. And if you're looking for that filling in your life, you'll find me. When you seek me with all your heart, but that is really the question that you have to ask yourself as you're seeking to be filled with him in your life. Am I, Lord? And the answer to that one, that's up to you.